0: This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalife. Uh, I come from a finance background. When I was in school, every time someone would ever say sales, I'm like, dude, listen, I, I don't, you know what I mean? Exactly. That that expression yeah, uh, for people listening. Yeah. Jake, <laughs> Jake, Jake just gave like the uh, expression, basically. Yeah. I had the same one, right? Kind of sleazy insurance. Like that's what I, everybody assumes that. I mean, it's, it's changing now. Mm-hmm. Curious for you, when you were in university, what, when did that concept of sales first become a reality as a career?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me... Um, one, thank you. I'm looking forward to the conversation. It should be a good, uh, should be a good talk. Um, you know, for me it was, I, I was looking to make money. Right. And so I had to get a job, you know, and so when I was in college and so I, uh, there was a job that I think my first one was telemarketing vacation packages and it paid well, like telemarketing paid better than any job. And so I'm like, okay, well I'll go try this thing. And I found that I had kind of a natural ability to have fun with it and not take no personally. And so throughout college, I, man, I did telemarketing stuff for maybe a year and a half, two years. I waited tables for like another two years. It was a lot, it's a lot easier than telemarketing. Uh, well, it depends on the night. Um, but that was it for me, man. I, I started to realize, and then really after my first job, I started to realize like, okay, I'm, I'm like, like, I'm, like I'm, I'm better than most people at this thing. And I you know I was able to absorb things faster, pivot faster, not get stuck in my ways faster, and so I think that really helped me to grow faster, um, you know whenever I really decided to kind of make sales my profession
0: right because in many ways i mean I, I can resonate, resonate with that too is like for me, it was more of a, of a personality trait to start, right and I think a lot of salespeople will will understand that or empathize right like yeah. you have you have maybe a bit of charisma, you're an extrovert, and I think a lot of people think that to be a professional salesperson, that's all you need. But that's really only kind of an ancillary feature, right? I've never, Um, I've
1: never seen someone whose aunt told them they should be in sales actually be good at sales. Like if your aunt told you to be in sales, you're probably in the wrong profession or, Oh, you like to talk to people. You should be in sales. Oh no, that's not, that's not what sales is. It's not shooting the shit with people. It's not being likable. Like there's a lot more you know to the process you know project management skills industry knowledge you know to your point of like what it means to be an actual professional salesperson there's a very lot of different. technique etc yeah
0: yeah and like i remember i did uh, i did a, a year uh kind of very deep you know sales sales dive uh, a couple of years back and really started to understand like all the techniques that's required. And it's, it's really more of a science man, than, than, than something you can just wing. You know what I mean? Uh, that's
1: exactly it, man. Most people don't realize that. Like it's, it is, and I, it was took me till I was about 26 or 27 when I finally realized that I had a leader. Um, I was kind of like naturally good and I was naturally doing well, but I had right. a leader who, um, I was struggling at this new job I had started and he's like, dude, read the script, follow this exact process. I'm like, no way, dude, no, not Jake Dunlap. Jake Dunlap does not follow scripts and processes. He's like, dude, do you think there's a reason we train a thousand people on this? He's like, do you think we're stupid? I'm like, uh, oh, well, probably not. And then I did it I close, I've told this story a bunch of times. I closed $60,000 in new business the next, the next month. So that was my like massive wake up call. Like, Oh, you know, wow, this is there, this really is a process, you know, there's definitely some science, you know, some art behind it. And that's kind of what sep- separates, you know, B plus from A plus players. But, you know, if you can follow a process, you can be decent at sales.
0: Yeah. And I think from, from people listening, right? Like they hear script, they hear process. And I remember even being in that, in that sales class and then they're, like immediately, you get people who, who play devil's advocate. Well, Jake, dude, that, that's great. It worked for you, right? But ah, in my right. industry, yeah, that shit would never fly. You don't understand, <laughs> dude. Like, I mean, I'm in the chemicals business. I'm in the that's right. I'm in logistics. When yeah. you hear stuff like that, what do you what do you typically say to someone who's up and coming?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I run a consulting business, right? So yeah. I, you know, I deal on I the team. You. The team deals with you know, tens of people a week, and everyone is different. Oh, Jake, the plastics business, the tech, this tech, this tech. That tech, nuclear power, we have nuclear power clients. We have uh, refinery, insulation. We have, you know, some of the most leading ripe and growth tech companies that are all clients. And you know, the things that are universal is like there's a buyer, there's a pretty fairly universal buyer journey. And, and what I mean by that is it all kind of follows the same pattern. If you meet with an end user at the bottom first, you usually have to go talk to other people on their team about what you do and if they think that there's utility, they'll bring you to their boss, then you have to put together some type of proof of value. And then you have to do that proof of value. And then there's a deal. If you start at the top, you've got to bring it to the bottom, bring it to the team, come up. It's kind of this, like those, those basic mechanics are the same, right? That that nobody makes decisions on high anymore. Nobody's doing six, seven figure purchases without talking to people, um, below them to making sure it's a utility things are people are going to use. So once you start to see that pattern recognition, you're like, oh, this deal's an A17. Oh, this deal's a JB3. Like you'll start to see that it's like there actually are very specific patterns. And I started to see, as soon as I started to have a sales process that I that I that I started to implement on a consistent basis, the patterns just literally like fly at you. It's like, whoa, like, oh my gosh, this is exactly like every other deal. And then and now it just becomes like like clockwork. And it's about adjusting it to their buyer. That, you know, it's about adjusting it. Okay. This company has a proof of concept. This company doesn't have that luxury. So how does that change how you run some of your early stages, of your sales cycle? But there's just some, you know, there's, there's so much overlap in just terms of the way that people want to purchase things versus, you know, it's a lot more similar than what people really understand or appreciate.
0: Yeah. Well, even talking about that playbook, man, I was talking to uh, Godard Abel, who's the uh, CEO of, of G2, yeah. a very, very you know, well-known Chicago tech company. Uh, and he was talking about this as well, man. He's like, dude, listen, I have a sales playbook, you know, and I've had one ever since I've started my first company. And I keep reiterating that with, with my co-founders. Right. Um, and we keep adding bits and pieces to it. And it's funny how, like, in ev- literally every sport, they all have playbooks. Right. They all view tape. They all learn and practice mentally, visually, physically. Yeah. When you take it to this game, for some reason, people are like, oh, no, I'm good, man. I'm going to go into meeting. We'll just, I'm
1: going to fix that, man. I've got a mission. My mission in life is to change all of this. Like this is my one goal is I'm going to standardize sales. Like it is not all these sales methodologies already say the exact same thing. Solution selling, challenger sale, um, pain funnel. They're all just different variations of very similar concepts. They're very similar concepts where I, I feel like the future of sales is actually more, um, getting more information in the hands of the customer faster and as opposed to putting up gates. It's project management. Great sellers are already great project managers. They know how to um, move groups, and they don't need champions. They can go do things on their own. And then, and then it's also focusing on the goal of an organization isn't to produce deals. It's, it's to produce power users. And if you kind of couple all of these concepts together, you, you come up with an, a, a, a method or a process that's very customer friendly and candidly, hundred percent transparent. The issue, like, there's not a single sales process that exists right now where. Um, you would actually tell someone, this is our sale. We practice a challenger methodology. You think a buyer is like, oh, can't wait. Like, you know, Sandler, right? Sandler uses the pain funnel. I'm like, holy, what have you told someone? Hey, by the way, this is called the pain funnel as opposed to a process like, look, let me just tell you what happens in this process. This is what happens and this is what happens. This is when you loop in these people. So I, I think as machines are able to automate the edges, you know, and, and simplify some of these interactions of getting content qualification, I think sales becomes more project management over time. And that, that the art becomes kind of getting people past certain hurdles, but there be, it, it continues to be more and more of a process. I mean, to me, it always has been, but I think, I think we'll, we'll start to be more comfortable with that, you know, that, cause you're exactly right. Like there's no, for some reason, like there's a right and a wrong way to do accounting. It's called gap. But for sales, we're like, oh uh, no, 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 no. Like it can't it can't be, it can't be. that <laughs> same same thing as like operations, right? It's like theory of constraints, right? Like you remove the bottlenecks in the system, and that's how you create better operating systems. But sales is like, but it also it that's 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 how people protect their wealth, bro, right? Why do you think that, that we make it complicated? Because who do you think is the highest paid person in that organization? Mm-hmm. Sales leader, SVP, CRO? What if it was easy? oh my gosh, that would be detrimental to their second house and three kids in private school.
0: Yeah, you're basically right? taking the, the biggest asset, right? Which is something they know. It's oh, like well, I, I, information.
1: <laughs> but if you're really good at it, it's like, it, wouldn't it be easier? Then you can go focus on the value add stuff. Then you can start to- Strategy. Yes, exactly. Strategy and a, a performance mindset. I think one of the biggest things we're missing in sales right now is we really don't have a performance mindset in sales. What I mean by that is we create an outbound process. We let that thing sit for like four to six months. We need to be optimizing that like paid media spend. We should be optimizing that every two weeks. If you're pumping volume through a system, you therefore have enough statistically relevant data to make changes in a real-time or quasi real-time basis. Think about a sales process. You have 10, 20, 30 salespeople. They are talking to and putting 40, 50, 60 people a month through your sales process. And how often are you updating your sales process? Every six months, 12 months, 18 months, what? You see, use the data, look where the bottlenecks are and optimize the process. We, we've got to start to operate sales like marketing. We've got to have a much more, buyer behavior is, is so much more dynamic than it's ever been that we as, a, as sales leaders and sales organizations and CEOs, for all my CEOs out there, we have to start to think about running sales like a performance organization where we are optimizing. We're not just setting, setting it and forgetting it. We're, we're always on. We're, we're using the data and the customer interaction data to always optimize. And um, I think I think we're going to see us move to that mindset, you know, Um, because right now it's just it's too slow. It's too slow. And customer uh, behavior is just changing too fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially like, I guess, during a time like a pandemic, right, where a lot of it is virtual. It's funny, too. You you talk about sales being more like marketing. uh, And I know you're a power user of LinkedIn. So am I. You know, we create a lot of content. Uh, and I think it's it's interesting for a lot of sales folks who are now starting to grasp the fact that yeah listen, like social channels aren't a joke right I mean uh, it's better to be the fish that rides the way versus the one that gets caught in it. I always say that, but curious from your perspective like how do you how do you help someone create a brand that doesn't necessarily know what 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 story to create behind what they do
1: or what they're trying to sell right? Well, I think most marketing doesn't. I think most marketing departments think it's a throwaway too. In in marketing's world, if it's not paid, how could it actually be a lead generation channel? And that is B2B marketing. the, The number one lever that they're under investing in is LinkedIn organic. Like you can get the same amount of reach as you could with paid. You can add your target audience. Like will LinkedIn shut down organic reach? Sure, just like Facebook and Instagram did, but it's not there yet. So if you're in marketing, you need to wake up. Like, and if your posts are getting 10 likes, and they're all from employees and zero engagements, you better step your game up because like, there's absolutely no reason it should be that pathetic. So I, I think it's, it's no matter who you are, marketing or sales, you, you need to focus on this. Here's what I would say. Why LinkedIn in a pand- pandemic is so important is this, is if I went to you as a business leader and I said, a sales leader, a sales manager, a sales rep, a CEO, and I, and, I, and I said something very simple. I said, look, we've got a room of 250 people. They're all your target buyers because in LinkedIn I can connect with and I can add this room of people. I'm gonna give you a five second speaking spot to these people. Will you fly to Seattle and take that? What do you think most people are gonna say? Yes. Well, why don't you post on LinkedIn every day? (laughs) Like it's it's, it's identical, it's identical. Or you could just post, you've already connected with all of these buyers. You know, we've got people that over the course of we worked with a team, an NFL team actually, um, uh, right, heading into the pandemic where they're like, all right, we need to sh- strengthen relationship with buyers. And wow. over the course of two and a half months, they added 12, that's uh, this, 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 the sponsor premium team. They added 12,000 connections in the tri-state mm-hmm. area, 12,000 that now that, that they're theirs forever. And you as a marketer, you're out paying you know two dollars for an email list or an email, you know. So I feel like we we are missing the whole point of LinkedIn. Is the whole point of LinkedIn is you you want to position yourself and your company as an industry expert. Why aren't you doing it on LinkedIn? That mm-hmm. is where your buyer if you're in B2B, if you're in B2C, there's different it's the same, it's the same playbook. It's just different, you know, maybe a medium, you know, yeah. but I just feel like right now that there's, there's such an opportunity for teams and the, the results that these reps are seeing is just is ridiculous. Like the, the top reps are like sometimes not even calling and emailing or they're like mixing it in, but they're always leading with LinkedIn. Because if I can like and comment a couple of your posts and then I call you, you know who I am. Right. Why wouldn't you start there? Why would you start? Like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start with as hard as possible and go completely cold at you makes absolutely no sense. Awesome. So front-loading a lot of sequences with LinkedIn is, is kind of number one for sales. But overall, we just need to change the way. This isn't about being famous. It's about me, being known as someone who knows what they're talking about in your industry. And LinkedIn is the best place digitally to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I was listening to one of your tapes, dude. And I think one of your interviews, and you were saying a couple of things. That tapes, I wish sense. it was a tape,
1: man. I think tape, I'm, gonna, I I'm gonna start putting out some mixtapes like man. back in the day, some singles, some cassettes. <laughs>
0: I threw it back. This
1: is this is me longing for a biggie or two. You know what I mean. Like, I like it. There we okay. We can talk. We can go that way too. I'm a big uh, West, West Coast rap fan. We can do that.
0: Jake's mi- mixtape uh, sounds cool. To you, I like it. Let's run with it. Um, so one of your mixtapes, uh, you're talking about a couple of things, man. One of them is like going deep on a relationship. Uh, you know, to your point, like liking, engaging. I think that doesn't happen as often. Uh, and I think f- from your point, being a thought leader requires you to actually like what you're doing or what you're selling exactly. out or Yes. Or have yes. some sort of passion, like try to That's really right. understand what you're doing, build substance and create that thought leadership. Question around mm-hmm. that though, is a lot of folks who are younger, right? Still early, let's say maybe an SDR, a BDR, someone, maybe an associate um, or maybe an account executive, just giving some yeah. titles for people listening. And many times they're a bit hesitant to put their brand out, right? Cause they're like, why would anyone want to hear from me? Right? What gives me credibility? I don't have the title. You probably hear this of course curious from from their shoes what how how would you approach building a brand without coming off as like you know very boastful let's say yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean look the fun every ceo thinks the same way too guys i was just gonna say. i talked to every executive i talked to feels the same way they feel like you know oh i don't want to be a bright i felt the same way and then i just realized you know who am i doing this for for the dude in the cube who sits next to me or if i was an SDR, right? like who cares what these people think, you know, and I had people after the first year where I was really getting active. I had other people who weren't doing it as much, but were thought leaders. I had, there's one person in particular, I'll, I'll call it Sam Jacobs because we talked about it in a podcast of his last year. And he, you know, he told me, he's like, Jake, when you first started posting, I was like, Oh, who's this guy? Like, what's he doing? And then like, you know, I talked to people and they kind of talked through like, well, this is the the goal of it. I just, I, I just saw, to me, I am a very, I can make very hard pivots in my life once the data is presented. I have a million opinions, extremely weekly held. And so as soon as there's a, a clear path, and for me, what happened with my company um, is we were doing what every good management and sales consulting firm does. We put out blog posts weekly. We were putting eBooks out every 60 to 90 days. And we would look at the distribution, you know, like, and you look on social. And it's like a few likes and comments, a few likes and comments. And, and, not, and finally, man, we did this ebook on GDPR. If you guys know what GDPR is for all my Canadian friends, it's, it's, it's this European castle. Um, and so um, this thing was killer, man. I still say, look, if you wanna know it, how to, to tackle GDPR as a sales or marketing leader, you can download our ebook. Um, but long story short, you know, we put it on social, we put so much time, you know, we distilled this bill down to like, you know, 10, 10 pages or something, it was great. And it was like, you know, no interaction. And then finally, I'm like, forget this. this. is a waste of time. Nobody gives, nobody cares. I, f- I read this, stat: 2.1 million blog posts produced every day, every day. Who's reading blogs? When's the last time you're like, mm, I'm going to sit down and read some blogs today. Who has time? Nobody has time for that. Read an ebook. Come on, man. Who's reading ebooks now? Granted, are, is, are they still valuable? So we didn't do a blog or an ebook for a year. Between June of 2018 and June of 2019, we did zero blogs, zero ebooks. We started going all in on social because we realized that's where the eyeballs were. And when so social, for, is,
0: this, is this LinkedIn primarily LinkedIn? Okay.
1: Right. Yeah. Primarily short form LinkedIn posts, the same okay. things you would put in a blog. We would cut it down to here and just put it out on social once a day. And, okay. and again, we closed millions of dollars in the first year of organic, right? We closed a deal. We closed a deal last year. Was that last year? I think it was last year. A woman calls up company, very successful tech company. She's like, Jake, I don't know what you do, but I want to do business. We did like 150,000 <laughs> of her. We closed a deal. We closed yeah, really, an $80,000 okay. deal two months ago in three days. I mean, like the power of LinkedIn is it builds instant credibility. People know who you are. I didn't do this to become LinkedIn famous. I didn't do this to do that. I did it to drive, to give value. I do enjoy, I enjoy giving value, right? I enjoy leading teams. I enjoy teaching back. Um, and so for me, you just got to kind of get over that and realize I'm going to try to deliver a message in a way that people want to consume it, not in the way that I want to produce it. And so that, that's where a lot of this comes from is that, you know, my, my advice is if your buyers are there, you're only doing it for one thing. And it's to build a relationship with the buyer. If, if you, you know, you got your boys in the cubes next to you, your buddies from college who are looking at like, Oh, who's Ethan? Why is all the, forget these people, man. Yeah. They're not paying your bills. Susan at Honeywell is paying your bills. I'm going to produce content for Susan. That's why I'm a sales leader famous. You know, if you want to talk about sales, go sell a sales technology. It's a very simple process. But if you, you know, like, if not, you better be talking about turbines or whatever it is you sell, you know, like focus on your buyer, like build a name for yourself in your industry. The same way we used to do at chamber of commerce events, you know, back, it's the same thing. It's just digital. You know, it's like you used to build a name for yourself in your local community as like a, a trusted advisor and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the same stuff, man. It's identical.
0: Yeah, it's so true, man. and, I think sometimes we get in our own way, right? I think it's, it's either the, the person next to you in a cubicle, right? Cause you're, you're afraid of getting judged, but also sometimes Marsh. it's your own, it's your own head, man. And I think with sales, a lot of the time, man, right? Like, especially if you have some losses, right? Like anything, it hurts, but it's tough to like, to, to remove that. Your self-worth is, is separate from, from the transaction, right. Or from the, from the business aspect. So I'm curious, like, how do you do that? Running your own sales consultancy, you've worked at, at companies before, like as a VP of sales, what, What do you tell yourself when things don't go your way?
1: It's all data points, man. Like I just don't, I don't get too high on the highs and too lows. Like that's, that's That's it. I don't, I don't like when I started posting, I did not care. I still don't care. I get 10 likes data points, 200, 400, 500, a thousand likes data points, 12 likes data point, whatever it's, it's all data points, man. And I think, for whatever reason, I always excelled at science. Like I, I, I realized this. So I, I was like very much of a scientific method person. Like first you isolate variables, you test, you test hypotheses, you look at the data and what happens, and then you, you make new formulated hypotheses. You te- like, so I've just, I've always applied that same methodology to sales and to everything that I do. So I don't, I don't get too hung up on, you know, oh, th- this really worked. I'm, I, I, like I said before, I'm not married to anything. I'm married to, to outcomes. I'm married to winning. I don't care if it's my idea. That's how I built my career so quick. That's why I progressed so quick in my career. Is I just stole everyone's best ideas. Because why what, what am I going to do, reinvent the wheel? That's stupid, mm-hmm. right? It's like when I have new, brand new employees out of college, I have to retrain them. Okay, what's the very first thing you do whenever you don't know something? Well, you know, I, I'll ask some people. Okay, great, what if they don't know how to do it? Well, you should all sit down. No, incorrect, the answer is Google. The answer is Google. There is a 99.8% chance, whatever you were looking for, that you can find a video on and on YouTube or something on Google. Like, don't reinvent the wheel. Same thing with right. sales. Like, I would I would see people do things that were better than me or leaders. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to start doing that. I don't care what about with the big right? though.
0: right? because I think the other thing that, that sometimes happens, I know, I know you talk to Gary Vee. I'm a big fan. I, obviously, I love his content. I think a lot of people listening do. But then yeah. you have you know Grant Cardona, you have all these different folks within the sales world, right? And, and yeah. Yeah, people have different thoughts on on, on each individual, which is of fine. Of course, yeah. But I think with this information overload, sometimes then you get like a bit of imposter syndrome, right? Like how do you how do you stay true, unique, take what's good without constantly being like Holy shit. I mean, there's so much information and they're all kind of different in many ways. Brad says one thing. Gary says one thing. Jake says one thing. George says (laughs) one thing.
1: I don't know. I mean, that's, I think that's like your truth. You're right. Like for me, I remember listening to Gary V back in 2012 or something and being like, ah, this dude is annoying. Like this guy, (laughs) like what? But then, but then hearing him in 2017 or 18, I'm like, Oh my! Like yes, it, it like this. Bit, yeah. This is it. And when I look at Grant Cardonis and the other guys, look for me. It's tasting. It's like what Gary. Like oh, I like that little part of what he said or she said. Oh, you know, um, what's that woman? Amy Robbins. Like there's there's all these different people, and and you just you just borrow clips of what what feels authentic to you. A lot of what Gary does feels authentic to me. Like personality wise, I'm comfortable putting myself out there. I'm comfortable with defeat. I'm comfortable with failure. I'm comfortable with, so for me, Gary's a good echo chamber for that I enjoy listening to. For me, Grant Cardone um, is not so much. I But, but but I can learn from anybody. I learned that very early in my career. There are things Grant Cardone talks about that I think people can learn from, which is a, you know, a, a positive mindset, a growth mindset. That's kind of a universal yeah. trend I think you, you see about across a lot of these guys. Um, with the 10 so really yeah, you just you numbers. just take borrow yeah. what you like, you know, et cetera. Yeah. There's just so happens there's certain people where I resonate with more of what they say, and other people where I resonate with less. But teach his own, you know, whatever whatever motivates you, whatever gets you excited and you positive and you happy, then just double down on that.
0: Someone walks in right now in your door and is like, "Hey Jake, dude, I wanna I wanna be like you, man. I wanna I wanna be the VP of Sales of Glassdoor. Yeah, I want I want to work at a tech company that was acquired by Yelp and eventually start my consulting company." Yeah. Um, if you were if you were to go back, right, knowing everything you know now, especially being as a consultant, because you're you're seeing so many different case studies, you've yeah. managed teams. What would what would be like like a maybe like a, a your 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 top ten commandments? You know what I mean. Like what what, what would those guiding principles be? Really? Yeah. You yeah. don't have to be uh, ten, by the way. But like what, what uh, would ten, those?
1: Yeah. No. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, this is a really good question. So no no one's phrased this question this exact way. I've told like origin stories and things. Uh, you know, look, uh, let me. I'll tell you a little bit about me, right? I took Please. five and a half years to graduate college. I came away with a 2.9 something GPA, like 9.8, which oh. still I still think about going back and taking like one class just to make it a three. But, <laughs> you know, I, I graduated when I was 23, you know? Hmm. And, you know, I, because I had done sales in college, when I got into the professional world, I was immediately already a step ahead. I already had some real world experience in college, um, so when I went into a sales role, I rolled these kids from Princeton. I rolled these kids from all these schools because they—they, I already had the hustle. Um, the practicality, yeah. exactly. Uh, my my big thing. I am a student of the game, and and so man, when my between the age of twenty three and the age of thirty, and even now, you know, my wife will tell you, etc. Like, I I studied sales. I studied. The psychology, I read all the old books from Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy. I listened to CDs on, you know, CDs on, or books on CDs. Like I wanted to learn so I could get better faster. And I I realized that I could get better faster if I listened into what other people were doing that was successful. I read, but I, I think, you know what, as I'm talking through this, the consistent theme is I very early on took my own professional development into my own hands. Right. I was very lucky. I went to work at a company called CareerBuilder in the late 2000s. Um, they also invested in my career. They went and paid for me to get an MBA, mm. right? I, I, I realized I was at that point in my career, I actually wanted to learn stuff and not just get a degree. And so I went back, I went to school full-time and worked full-time for 18 months straight, no breaks, and, and you know ended up with a what, 3.66 GPA, something like that, because I wanted to learn. I went back to school the second time to actually learn stuff, but I did that for me. I did it for Jake Dunlap. I didn't go for an MBA. If you go and look, the amount of people that actually know I have an MBA is extremely, extremely low, right? Right. Because I didn't do it for these other people. I did it for me because I realized, man, all I knew was other salespeople and I needed to up, I wanted to up level and grow as a human. And so you don't have to go get your MBA. I'm not saying that that's your path, but for me, that was my path. And I didn't need someone to go tell me to go read a book. I knew if I was going to go into leadership, I should start reading leadership books before I get the job. And so I feel like if you look at my, my commandment or whatever it is, I consistently invested in my own professional development. I was able to open myself up as a book. Here's where I'm doing really well, knowing where I want to be. I always, I talk about this concept of the next, next step in your career. If you don't know what, have an idea and it doesn't have to be the perfect role, an idea of what your next, next steps looks like. How do you know the steps to take between now then? And so I was always very honest with myself. Like, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I was that career builder, two and a half years straight, I was the number one leader in inside sales out of 25 teams in percent to quota, two years straight, right? The next roll up was a manager role that was kind of like this like quasi promotion, but I'm like, I'm already doing this stuff, man. I'm already managing similar reps, closing similar deals on my team. I, if I want to go, I was 28, 29. Eight, 29. I'm like, man, if I want to go and lead grown ass men and women who are 45 or 50, I need to go learn enterprise sales. So I quit my cushy manager job, moved to San Francisco and went back into the field. And within six months, I got promoted to national account executive as the youngest national account executive out of 75 reps that were national account executives, um, closed big deals with big company, learned that motion. So when Glassdoor came, I didn't know, I didn't have some premonition of, I'm going to move to San Francisco and be the VP of sales at this rapid growth startup. That's going to exit for 1.2 billion. I'm not that smart. Okay. But what I am smart enough to know is like, I I was very honest with myself or what are the skills I need to round out? And so when that opportunity came to be the, you know, the head of sales at Glassdoor, I had successful leadership experience. I had a proven sales process that I implemented with team. I had proven enterprise sales experience. Mm. Like, I had, I checked all the boxes and my offer letter, I was, I, I think I just turned 30, had another dude's name on it. And this dude was like 48 years old and they rescinded the offer and gave me the offer. Why I put my, I, I had my MBA. I didn't just have an undergrad degree from Missouri State University with a five point, with a five, that took five and a half years and a 2.98 GPA. So I had all those things. I had an MBA from a big PAC 12 school. I had all these other things because I, I put in the work in advance you don't just show up and get the opportunity. And so, for me, historically throughout my career, I've thought about where do I want to be, and am I doing the things today that's going to help me to get there, whatever the best version of me looks like, X years later. And, and I feel like oh, not so enough huge. people do that. Not enough people think that far in advance. And then people see roadblocks. I I just it get it's why I get in trouble mm. with authority. I just don't see roadblocks. I, I I'm delusional. I'm that like look. Adorable. Every well, it's like, look, if there's a wall, I know there's going to be a ladder over here, a door over here, a tunnel here. There's going to be something, you know, again, guys, there's 8 billion people or something like that in the world. 99.9% of problems have been solved. So I know that there's a way to solve this thing. And again, that kind of gets me in trouble sometimes with like the status quo. But I think those are the big things for me as I was growing in my career, the mindset that I had and, and, the ability to, to, to look at my, my skill sets without judging myself. And I think those are the skill sets that I think that is something that, that can be very difficult for people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the, the point, especially around like taking the sta- stairs versus the elevator, but, like that, that was super important that you brought that up, right? Like it, it's better to be prepared now so that when an opportunity hits, you can strike and strike well enough. What you don't want is get an o- opportunity that you fuck up and like ruin that cred around it, right? And then you have to go back to the drawing board. I think that that's a massive distinction. Well, it's
1: here. like, yeah, people, yeah, you know, I've seen these posts that we've actually done really well on LinkedIn. How can people be expected to have 15 years experience when they have five experience? What do you mean? What, well, what are you doing in your free time at night? Seriously. Like, yeah. uh, like, are you studying leadership now? Are you mentoring other people? Are you getting leadership experience at your volunteer work? Like there is no excuse. And I think too many people, And that's why those posts do really well on LinkedIn because they feed into people that want to hear that type of stuff. They're like work-life balance, man. Come on, dude. It it infuriates me. 98% of people talking about work-life balance are people that are extremely successful. And when they were young, guess what? They didn't have work-life balance and it's real easy to talk about it once you made it. And also guess what? You can't have a side hustle and a full-time job and have work-life balance. It's not, it's, it's like, it doesn't work. They, they're like at opposite ends of the spectrum. So I just think people need to get very realistic about what it actually takes to be successful. It doesn't mean you have to work 80 hour weeks. every. I'm not saying that, but it, the more focused you are and the more that you know what you want, you can probably work a, a, a focused 40 hours a week and, get, and still get, do all the things I'm talking about. I think it's harder. Right. But you know, but if you, but if you're clear about what you want to do, you know, I was telling some SDRs this, look, if I'm an SDR, that's all my SDRs out there. Actually for my account executives too. If I was an SDR in COVID, dude, I would be trying to close deals. My face off. I wouldn't be flipping deals. Forget that. I want to be an account executive. Who, who's going to know? I'm not in an office anymore. I would be running disco calls. Like there is no <laughs> doubt. If I was an SDR today, I would be running my own discovery calls and I would be trying to do demos and stuff. Like, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting right. for this opportunity? If I was a sales rep, I wouldn't be in enterprise sales. If I got handed some lead, man, I'd start to work that thing a little bit. You got to get the, like, I'd want to get the at bats. And so I just feel like so many people see walls and barriers and you know, that, that they just don't try to think like, Hey, there's probably a way to solve this or, you know, maybe yeah. it's not a barrier. Maybe there's some way around it.
0: Yeah, and it's tough too, because even sometimes it's not you, but like you hear it in your team, right? You hear it from someone maybe more senior and they're like, hey, listen, this is, this is like the, the roadblock that we're facing. And it kind of feeds into you, right? Indirectly. And then it's just like a bug almost, right? It's like a leech. Yeah. It's, it's in the back of your mind, even though truly that's not what you're thinking.
1: Dude, I've never had that, man. I've never had that gear. You know, me, I'm always, like, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you another story. So this is my very first job. Right, this just, just shows you how my mind works. So after the first year, I sold uh, season tickets for the Tampa Bay Rays. That was my first job out of college. And um, so what I did is this. And I, I for some reason I like stats in school. I don't know. Um, but so here's what I did. I did a scatter plot of all the inbound leads from the year before uh, across the team and on deals that closed and what time they came in. And yeah. and then we had a phone loop. So how let me let me see. So how this phone loop work was like this. If you were on a call, it skipped you and went to the next person. So it's like 10 10 of us or so, two of me and another guy were senior account executives, rest were account executives. And so this loop would skip you if you made a call. Well, in my scatter plot, I clearly saw there were times when nobody called in. And it was like 11 to 11.30, 2 to like 2.40, and like 4.10 to whatever. So guess what I did? I sat there and did nothing. And just went, Tampa Bay Rays, this is Jake. Tampa Bay Rays, this is Jake. All my friends, all, all these people are making cold calls. Like Jake, why aren't you making calls? You're getting all the inbound leads. I go, guys. I showed them the spreadsheet. I go, guys, check this out. I I I scatter plotted this that these nobody calls in during these times, and so I can just get more inbound leads, and the phone tree will skip all of you. And guess what? They kept doing. They kept cold calling. I'm like, what planet you guys? What are you thinking? I'm showing you the data. It's like, guys, use some thought. Be independent. Like. I don't like that. That's just like a mic. I mean, that's literally my first job in my first year. Like I, that, that, that's just an example of like the annoying stuff that I do right. To like break systems. They fixed it after like four weeks, but you know, it's like that, that example you're giving about other people being negative, etc. Like who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for them? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it for your customers? And again, for me, I'm always looking for that angle. I'm already good. And if I can find that angle, that's going to get me to here. Um, you know, that's always gonna, you know, uh, I've always been successful doing that. How are you
0: prospecting today for you?
1: So, I mean, look, so it's a really good example of, um, you know, I certainly don't have all the answers. And so what I mean by that for, for us, we obviously use LinkedIn very heavy, right? right. So we set 67 oppor- I think last month we had 67 new opportunities created, opportunities created. And we're small, you know, we're less than 30 people, small consulting firm of okay. which over half were LinkedIn. Then we have a lot of BD partners. So I have an alliances team that nurtures nurtures those. And that goes back to it. Like for us, our path to market isn't direct, you know, because that's not not how professional services grow. Instead, it's about a partnership ecosystem. We have tech and we have services partners, right? And then brand and organic and word of mouth and G2 crowd and this type of stuff, right? Like, so for us, we do a little bit of direct, but for most we're, we're invested in alliances and you know, we call it alliances not partnerships and we're invested in um, brand and organic channels webinars you know we're, we're launching a podcast at the end of the quarter like those types of things because again it's following the blueprint if this is how all these other firms grew like and we tried direct trust me we've tried direct and, and there's there's a Uh, like a few product sets we're coming out with that we think are going to be more clearly a direct sale. But for us, that's how we're doing it. We have a full-time SDR, full-time salesperson, their sales leader, two people doing, um, alliances and sales as well too. Um, but that's how we're doing it. Um, but again, it's about where do your buyers live and how do they interact? You know, to, to want to engage with a consulting firm, you usually have a need. And so a lot of companies don't have a need. And so you've got to try to Make sure that you're positioning yourselves to be top of mind whenever that need comes up, and I think we're doing. And that's where we, that's why we invest so much in LinkedIn and in posting on LinkedIn so consistently.
0: Did you ever see see someone who like blew your mind away by by going kind of above and beyond sales from from a creative lens? Like, is this is there a story that you saw that you're like, oh man,
1: this person just fucking crushed it, right?
0: Like, did this strategy like-
1: all the time, man, all the time. But it's all but they're all like this. So like, you know, I'm just thinking of some of our clients, right, and you know, we do a lot of LinkedIn work for companies, right. That are trying to institutionalize LinkedIn, not the social selling crap of like, you know, connect the, like we are doing some deep plays, but these got a bit, but we can execute all of it in outreach or whatever you use. Um, and you know, I'm just thinking that there's, there's one rep in particular and all he's been doing is taking our different frameworks around liking and commenting and and mixing in calls and emails. This dude said, so what hit, this play was simple. He views your profile, sends an email. that says connecting, uh, you know, from, you know, saw your profile connecting on LinkedIn. Then he sends a follow-up email day two. So it's like day one email, day two email. This dude said, this is right out of the gate. And now the results are bonkers. The first two days, he's said six meetings, two inbound calls. It's, you take the pieces. With outreach these tools, you have so much data. That goes back to that performance mindset I was talking about. And nobody's doing anything with it. You get the data that step three is converting, why not move step three up for 100% of your team? Like I, like I would destroy every single SDR out there because again, I would just be lazy. I would just look at the data, of what the top reps were doing and I would literally just verbatim go do that thing. And then once I saw that that started to work, I'd then go try nuances on top of it and I'd start to A, B test and then I would destroy everybody. And I feel like not enough, too many people are trying to reinvent the wheel. And so again, like I'm just thinking about what he's doing. I'm thinking about, um, uh, like, again, like Gong released some data. They released a report. I love this report. And it talked about how the um, uh, the best call to action right now isn't a specific date and time. It's let me know if there's interest in learning more. And I'll, I'll put together a few details and maybe we can, c- can connect on that next week. So it's right. like, let me know if there's interest, if you're interested in learning more. right? I had been doing it the same way for 16 whatever years of date and time and teaching that. I've completely hard pivoted. I now say every call to action should be about, to, you know, let me know if there's interest, get them to say yes, there's interest in learning more, and then you get yeah. the meeting. And Because you're so, always
0: giving them the, the authority, right? Like, listen, Jake, I'm not sure if, if this is, you know, within your real- I'm house. not
1: sure if it's a fit, maybe, uh, maybe it's a challenge, you let me I'm know. not
0: sure. You let me know, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, and it's working, it's working like crazy. So I just right. think that, you know, if you're, I think that's some of the examples. The reps that I'm seeing are, Taking the advice that we're giving them about LinkedIn. Um, and then they're they're playing with it, man. They're like, okay, cool. So I'm going to do this. They're fine tuning. Literally, the, like the, the this NFL team, for example, one of the reps set 20 meetings in a month, 100% from LinkedIn. No calls, no emails, just LinkedIn. And again, liking wow. and commenting, interacting, DMing with something that's relevant. Like the amount of people, people are com- you know, complaining about the amount of noise they get in their LinkedIn inbox my friends, that is nothing to the amount of noise they get in their email inbox. And mm-hmm. so I still think, you know, I, I love voicemails and videos on LinkedIn. I think those are kind of the the easiest ways to cut through on the mobile app. You can send, you know, one-to-one voicemails and one-to-one videos. I think those are some of the best ways, like some more creative stuff I see people doing.
0: Yeah, um, and then just to sticking on that theme, like for LinkedIn, um, I've heard you say a couple of things like, um you know when you connect don't don't have like an intro or don't pitch obviously anything that's super important give it give it a couple of days right like really air it out like engage get to know that person so that when you actually do reach out you have so much more ammo like you you have personal connections you can say oh you know i saw that you went to the same university or you shared this post i think the same way right like you you can build that story What, what are some maybe two or three other key takeaways for people who are not necessarily as active or as kind of pro users or whatever
1: uh, just like top LinkedIn tips, just like yeah. how to think about this. Yeah. I mean, so I think there's a few different ones. One sales navigator, invest in sales nav. Um, we don't make how any, easy. I don't I'm make it. any commission off of it. Yeah. I'll give some very basic thing, things you can use to use or like some very basic tactics you can use on sales Nav that I think are very helpful. The first is, and this is kind of just like cleaning out the low hanging fruit. The low hanging fruit is a couple of tabs that they have, which is change jobs in the last 90 days consistently we've seen people that have changed jobs in the last 90 days are looking to evaluate new solutions no one hires a new SVP and says, you know what Tim just keep the status quo like just you know things are good but just just don't do anything different right so if someone's changed jobs in the last 90 days that is a good time to reach out to someone they're going to be actively evaluating not in their first 30 days but in their night, day 60 day 90. there's also a tab that says um, follows your company. So if a lead that you put in your list follows your company, then you can go straight for the DM. And what I tell every sales team is this exact thing. If you can't set a meeting with a lead that follows your company, you suck at sales. Like they follow your company. Like, And LinkedIn is telling you now these people follow your company. And so those are the low-hanging fruit. So clean those out up first go through every single one of your leads. that's changed job in the last 90 days. If it's their first 30 days, you're going to send them this message. Hey, John, I know you just started. You're, you're just going to be getting up to speed on the internal. I'm going to send you a placeholder for three and a half weeks from now. Once you come up for air, because that's when you'll probably start to think about evaluating opportunities like X, Y, Z, right then. So just, you got to know you gotta be smart, right? Like that. This is just how it works when an executive starts a job. And again, Hey, Hey, John, I saw that you followed X, Y, Z. So you're probably familiar with X. I saw your profile, Y, let's set up time to meet. So those 90 days and that that follows your companies, so you can go straight to the meeting. You know that there's gonna be some level of awareness or intent or maybe a desire to want to do something. Then the next is on the LinkedIn on the LinkedIn Sales Navigator homepage. They just set up some new filters. So it defaults to all alerts. It's noisy. But if you click on it, you can go to lead shares. Every morning, you come in at 8 a.m. You, you do the filter to lead shares. It will literally show you every single lead that you have saved that shared in the last day. So you go and comment, you go and like, you do that. You just do that every single day. And then you can also check in real time lead has your lead as one of your leads change jobs or stuff, so, you know? So there's some filters there. If you just do those, you're going to be in a good spot. If you just do those things, clean out the 90 days, clean out the following your company that that's usually a very small list. And then just every day. Go look at lead shares and go comment like, and then again, you can build all of this out as a sequence too, to where, you know, you're not having to remember like, Oh, am I on step four with Jake? Am I on step five with Jake? You know, there's ways you can build this out in sequences too.
0: You recommend someone building their cookbook, like really knowing financially, you know, every like one deal, this is exactly what it it means. Like kind of creating a moral compass in terms of from a financial perspective, if, if looking at the full year, how many deals am i am i going to have to hit to get to a number that i'm really kind of motivated by
1: yeah i mean that's how every, yeah i think that's how everyone should run their business you know like i um yeah i think and then, and then you break it down into what i need to do today you know exactly. there's a saying and i don't i don't know where i heard this um i can't remember but i say this to my team all the time is you take care of the day you take care of the week you take care of the week you take care of the month you take care of the month you take care of the quarter you take care of the quarter you take care of the year and so if you don't work it backward from what do I need to do today? And I, look, I think I'm really happy that, I, you know, again, I'll go back to, you know, job, though, a certain role I had. And look, they had, in, in, it, they were ridiculous call requirements. I mean, ridiculous. I had to, we didn't have BDRs, man. I had to make a hundred call, calls and have two and a half hours of talk time every day. And that means I had to, and I had to set, you know, I had to average almost like two meetings set a day and I had to close my own deals, and I had to grow my own accounts. And so, I'm, I thank God I grew up in that, that you know, like that, because I, it kind of taught me that discipline. Now, the calls were ridiculous, dude. When I was, you know, say it, the numbers were like, I had to make 200 calls a week as a national account. I'm like, dude, I haven't been in the office, you know, mm-hmm. all, all week um, at, this, at the same company. And, you know, I, so I feel like it's just that discipline, man. I know that, look, every day when I wake up, two meetings. Two bills. I flip two meetings. I'm good. I'm gonna hit my number. I'm gonna crush. And you know whatever. And guess what? My the other thing is, about well, your SDR is not sitting you meetings. Soft, dude. You just go get your own meetings, man. Like right. you know what you need to do. Like you know what you need to do to hit your number. Uh, stop blaming other people. Like if you know that you need to get two meetings and you're gonna get fired if you miss quota, go get the meetings. Like, you know just what I it. mean? Like, yeah, like you've got to just, you got to have that mindset. And I, you know, that's what I try to instill into all the reps I've ever hired. I've probably hired I don't know, th- certainly hundreds, maybe thousands of reps. Um, and it's just, what's the thing today? Two meetings, one meeting, whatever it is. Really just know, it down. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And that, that, you know what that does? It also alleviates stress. Exactly. If I set my two meetings today. I go home and sleep really, really well. I set yeah. three. Great. I go home and sleep really well. If not, then it's like, oh man. Okay, I gotta work a little bit harder tomorrow. Maybe I'm gonna come in a little bit earlier tomorrow. Stay yeah. a little bit later tomorrow. But if you just manage to the day, you're gonna be in a good spot, man. That that's, and you also that's see it. like
0: where where your laziness adds up, right? I think that's why having a cookbook, like let's say you and I have a have a chat. We say, Listen, for the for the full year, this is our metrics, right? We're colleagues, this is what we're gonna do. But if mm-hmm. you distill it down to a month, then you're like, okay. Great. Now you distill it from a, from a day-to-day perspective. It doesn't it seem to be as daunting day. too, right? That's right. <laughs> like, yes, I'm exactly. Like, oh man, you know
1: what? Two, three meetings exactly. versus
0: like a thousand meetings for the full year. I'm like, oh my God, where, you know, how, how am I going to do this? Right? And it seems like crazy. It's today. intimidating. Today. But today. also if you skip on today, then tomorrow, or let's say you skip on the full week. Now you're like, oh shit. Like, you know, Come next week, Monday. Mm-hmm. Now I have, to, I have to redo the, the you know, let's say 10, 20 meetings that I didn't do in one day. And then you really feel that pressure and you're like, this is why I have to crush every single day.
1: Dude, that is exactly it. That is exactly it as opposed to the opposite, which is again, I'm just gonna focus on today. Did I right. do a job today? Did I finish this thing today? And then then you just don't have to think about it as much. You know, it's like, that's how I've always been. I hate, I. it's how I, I run my sales process. I try to reverse engineer to like deal with all objections. Um, you know, what's the outcome going to be? What's this person like? How can I reverse engineer the outcome? Again, I need to hit 30,000 this month. How am I going to reverse engineer the outcome? You know, I need to hit X for the year. How am I, or the quarter, how am I going to reverse engineer the outcome and come up with that one thing? It's called leads and legs. Uh, Stephen Covey and, um, his dad talk about it in a few different books and seven habits and, uh, mm. um, four, four disciplines of excellence. And you know, it's called leads and legs. What are the things you can do on a daily or weekly basis that's gonna equal the big, the big change? And, and I've always, uh, I, at first it was intuitive, but then over time I've learned how to hone to where I you know can continue to kind of focus it down to that.
0: We got five left, man, I, I, I wanna be mindful, but speaking of Steven uh, and, and his book about, around habits, I think so much about being a, a sales professional is not just kind of the business, but what you do outside of work that allows you to have the energy. Like when I'm talking to you, man, I can tell that you have good energy. I don't mean just like positive energy. I mean, like, you're not like, you know, George, and you're like taking deep breaths, like you had a deep dish five minutes ago. Um, so curious, like, what do you do? What, what's, your, what's your day routine? What's your morning routine that, that allows you to come into work and crush the, the numbers?
1: Uh, it's interesting. So for me, it, it was, I mean, I'll just tell you about, like, when I was a rep in particular, it was discipline. I was almost always the first person in the office. Because again, remember, I had those ridiculous call minimums. And so yeah. I got ahead of the day. I, you know, I, what I feel is so many people. It's it's just like I put a post on this on Sunday. You know, look, you should every every single, in my opinion, everyone should spend an hour. You can do it at the end of your day if you want, or spend an hour on Sunday. Get your inbox to zero. Why? You're not paddling upstream all week. Come in early. Make your first set of cold calls first thing. Secretaries aren't in the office yet. You get people on the phone, or you leave a voicemail, and they're like, "Man, this guy's a hustler," right? So I started every single day with 25 calls before my peers. Half of my people haven't even got in, got into the office yet. And so I had the discipline. Same thing with LinkedIn. I would have every morning. I'm going to do my LinkedIn time. I post at 7:30 a.m. Not all, but almost every single morning. And, and you so block I'm. Your calendars too? I'm a. I'm a. Yeah, of course you have to block your calendar. Right. If I look at if I look at the number one reason why people are overwhelmed and suck at time management, it's their their calendars and blocks. I mean, it's almost. Calendar. It's almost without fail. They're supposed to work on a project. They don't even block out the time to work on the project in their calendar. like, what are you doing? You know, I'm an inbox zero person. I'm a CEO of a company. I post on LinkedIn, I'm doing this podcast. I look right now, I have 19 emails in my inbox. Hold on, I'm gonna tell you right now. The last email, let me just tell you, was from 1023 AM. Zero. I get hundreds of emails. I have 60 plus meetings a week all this stuff. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't usually work 60 hour weeks. I probably work consistently 40 to 50 hour weeks, but I'm disciplined. I time Discipline. block my calendar is my happy place. That's my mm. happy place. Everything I need to do my calendar. I know what I need to do next. I just show up and execute. Right. And so that's what it is. Like create a day and a life where you can just show up and execute. You're not thinking about what to do. You know, and that's why time blocking to me is so, is so, oh my gosh, man, I just don't know how you could do it. I don't know how you could, I don't, I don't know anybody who's successful who wings it their day to day. You know, I, I probably need to have less, less meetings in a day or in a week, but at the same time, it works for me. It actually creates less stress for me because I now, I don't have to remember, oh man, oh God, I'm supposed to work on this project with Jim. No, it's in my calendar for tomorrow at 8, eight thirty AM. I've got a half hour done. My to-do list right now. Has three items on it. My inbox has 19. How's that stack up to you? I'm running a company. Why? Time blocking. I take care of the things that need to get done first and then the noise is the noise. I snooze. I do this stuff. I triage. I'm constantly adjusting my calendar. I'm running my my day two, three, four weeks out, you know? And so you cannot be successful if you're not time blocking and get ahead of your day. Get that early stuff done. I think, yeah, I think Cubby talks about this or someone does about like, you know, every day get that one thing you need to get done. That, you know, First, and, yeah. yeah, and, and it, it, man, you know, there's a saying I learned back in, it's like called eat the frog. You don't eat a frog in nibbles. You eat it like two or three. And that's how I treated the cold. It was about cold calling. So I, I did two or three cold call blocks of an hour. I had my tick sheet out. Just ate the frog every day. No nibbles, just ate it every day. It's like clockwork. Every day, 8 a.m., every day this everyday this, you know what I mean? And like discipline, (sighs) discipline. That's it.
0: If you found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.